Welcome to Tactical Recon, the place where we find kingdom-building strategies through scholarship, leadership, and action. And here's your host. Today is Friday, November 19th, in the year of our Lord's Dominion, 2021. Welcome to Tactical Recon. I'm Elder Paul Coviello. Sitting beside me is my pastor, the Reverend Dr. Paul Michael Raymond. Thanksgiving is upon us again, Pastor Raymond, and we thought it fitting, therefore, to go into a podcast or or broadcast that focuses on Thanksgiving. Well, usually Thanksgiving is a time when we give thanks to the Lord. However, it's become sort of a ho-hum kind of thing because we don't recognize how much we should be thankful, and we've become pretty lax in our giving of thanks with our life's uh, difficulties and the pressures of the world. We forget that every breath that we take is something to be greatly thankful for. So we have become quite slothful in giving of thanks. In fact, when you ask folks, what does it mean to be thankful? Depending on where you ask, if you ask the secular world, if you ask the state, how should we be celebrating a Thanksgiving celebration? They will point you to the things that you have. You can be thankful for those things instead of the one who gives those things. And that is the Lord God. So they have an entirely secular, humanistic, man-centered, worldly-centered idea of Thanksgiving, where, as when you talk to the Christian, they'll also, unfortunately, they'll default to, well, I'm thankful for this, I'm thankful for that, I'm thankful for the other things. And yet the scriptures tells us that we are to give thanks unto Yahweh, the Lord, for he is good and because of his mercy that endures forever. So we need to recalibrate our thinking when it comes to Thanksgiving. There's something really critical here. We live in a fairly prosperous nation, though a nation under judgment. There is relative continuity. The seasons come, they go. We have a degree of predictability in our work schedule, our family life. In our congregation or in our community, we assemble every Lord's Day in a place where we may worship together. And so the precipice upon which our patriarchs felt they lived from day to day. I I think you said it, every breath, um, possibly the last they would breathe, they had a far greater appreciation for what it is that God had given them, what they were called to do, the urgency with which that that, 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 that calling had, and a greater appreciation of the grace of God that sustained them. And so they're, they're we've sort of been lulled to sleep to a point where we fail to see and appreciate that by the divine decree established within the Godhead before the creation of all things, we were predestined, elect, called to this great covenant to which we are bound and the work that God has given us to do. And so we are to live in a position and in a posture of thanksgiving, not merely at mealtime, when we thank God for our bounty, appropriate as it is. Yeah, and and it is appropriate to give thanks for the bounty that we receive. But if you look at the model that the scriptures teach, the, the progression of thanksgiving, especially in Psalm 136, where the psalmist says, oh, give thanks unto Yahweh for he is good. So the goodness of God should move us. And that's an overarching idea. The goodness of God is what we should be thankful for because if without without the goodness of God, without that that long suffering, 
we would be just destroyed immediately. Adam's race would have been entirely annihilated without any kind of salvation program whatsoever if God was not good, if he was not righteous, if he was not merciful and long-suffering. And this is why the psalmist says his mercy endures forever. And then he says after that, I'll give thanks unto the God of gods. Now what that means is, it, and what it doesn't mean is that there are other gods or lesser gods. No, this is, he, he is the God of all other magistrates. And then the next line is he is the the Lord of Lords. All he's the Lord who lords over all of the other magistrates of the world. So he in this position here, he places himself, that we ought to be thankful for, as the sovereign king over the nations and the men of the world. So we're giving thanks in that regard, not only for his sovereignty, but the fact that he sovereignly orchestrates all things according to his divine decree, and we can know that he's doing this for the blessing of his church. That brings us comfort, and it says that we are to recognize that because that is part of his mercy, and that mercy is everlasting and endures forever. And then we give thanks to God who does great things, his, his wondrous things, and the fact that he's, he's made the heavens and the earth by his wisdom. And all of these things are pointing not to things, but to God who did those things and who made those things and who orchestrates all things and who is supremely sovereign over all those things. That's what we have to begin to recognize as what we are to be thankful for. So it's never for the things, but it's and, and it's not even for the situation. While we can be thankful for situations, we are thankful for when our political situation is more liberation uh, where we have more liberation, where it's more at liberty rather than tyranny. And certainly we give thanks for God's providence in that. But that is not the reason why we give thanks. We give thanks to the Lord who has provided those situations for us. Now, when we give thanks to God, we're usually thinking about, well, I'm giving thanks to God because of a situation that is good. But are we not to give thanks to God for situations that are difficult? For instance, a political di difficulty, a tyrannical difficulty, a sickness, a, a, um, a death, a death of a loved one or a death of a spouse or death of a child. Are, are we to give thanks for those things? And the answer is ultimately yes. But until we recognize, if God peradventure would have us recognize that those things are for his glory, we must grieve. And we're certainly not thankful, humanistically speaking, humanly speaking. We're not thankful for, for tragedy or death or anything like that. But those things ultimately work for our good and for our maturation. So we can never say that, well, I'm not thankful that I had a sickness. Because ultimately, we are given that by the hand of God, who does wondrous things for a reason. Now, Calvin says that sometimes we don't know that reason. And... We grieve over that reason, over that, over that situation, rather. And what he tells us is, then you pray that God might reveal to you the, the glory of that situation. But he also says, God may not do that. It is his prerogative either to tell you why that situation is difficult and what you must learn from it or not. But still, we are still to give thanks because, number one, it is our duty and I don't think people understand that it is the Christian duty to give thanks. I believe also they don't understand another thing. It's a privilege. It's a privilege to know God in order to give thanks to God 
for being God and for shedding his mercy upon us. So you have a duty and a privilege. It's a great honor for the Christian to do this. It is our wisdom because that is what is pleasing to God. And you think about how many times the word thanksgiving or give thanks, the phrase give thanks is in scripture because it is the, the submission of the flesh, the holding out of the hand. And that's what literally thanksgiving means, the holding out of the hand in praise and adoration and, and, and submission. And there's a great excellency in that as well. But we need to be mindful that that is what we need to do. Not only is it our duty, but we need to give thanks because it brings us back to the position where we are needy and we need to rely upon, upon the Lord. And it's, it's a very useful, useful practice. So if we're not practicing thanking God daily throughout the day, and like you said, not only at mealtime or bedtime or whatever, uh, but, but throughout the day, recognizing the hand of God in all things. And it becomes, once that becomes our habit, once that becomes our, our, our life's purpose to give thanks to God in all that, that he has done, all that he is, all that he is allowing us and moving us to do, once we get that, that reality, then we can delight in giving thanks. The scripture says, and everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you in everything. And you pointed to something that is very, very critical. Now, let's establish this. We are not simply to thank God, but to rehearse, as it were, before him, all those things which he does, which he is, all those things which he is, and which he does, which he gives to us, which he provides for us. And you're right to say, Pastor, both good and bad. Lay it all out before him, not that he needs to hear it, but he Demand, he commands it of us. He desires it of us. And it has the effect that you just articulated. It is a balm to the soul. Because now, even in times of difficulty, tribulation, or trial, as you were just speaking about, we have the means to turn from ourselves back to Christ and so stabilize ourselves and continue to move forward. The greatest antidote for discontent for the murmuring, the complaining, the bitterness, and the anguish of soul that follows it, the best antidote for the disquietness of soul that plagues the Christian is to turn from the circumstances, the situations that the providence of God has dictated back to that which God is, that which he does, and that which he provides so that we can focus afresh on Christ, who is to be our central focus. What, what did, I think it was David, the psalmist said, why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God, who is the strength of my countenance and my God. Hope thou in God. The greatest way to turn around the discontent and the murmuring, the disquietness, the anguish, the despair, the sorrow, the bitterness, and the inordinate preoccupation with the things that we don't have is to once again put ourselves in a position where we are thanking God and very explicitly. So let's put it in one term, in one word, discontentment. We must be content. Now, it doesn't mean you should not try to promote yourself or to do better in life, but to covet things and to be, like you use the word, and I think is very proper, discontented, to, to be discontented with all of the blessing. And we, we live in, like you said in the beginning, 
such a prosperous state. We, we can go here and go there, buy this, buy that. We, we live in houses with heat and running water and electric. It's incredible. Uh, when, yeah, I think we all need to take a, uh, take a trip to, uh, to one of those nations that have nothing and just to see you know, children living in the dirt and uh, picking, as you've said so many times, flies out of their eyes, which is a disgusting uh, vision, but this is the reality. And, and we have all these things, and yet we want more. We want bigger this, more of that, more of the other thing. We want an easy life. And you know, the modern Christian doctrine is you can have Christ and everything else too. You can be, you can be prosperous, and you can have Jesus and all of this. And we think that, that affliction is an oddity and not having everything that our hearts, our lustful hearts desire is an oddity. We should have all these things because Jesus loves us, but that's not the way Christianity really works. It's not Christianity at all. So I find that when folks are not thankful for every little thing, there's this uh, covetousness uh, lurking, this discontentment lurking, because thanksgiving and contentment work hand in hand. They connect it. And it's not only a grace to be content, it's a learned practice. It's a learned thing. Paul said, I have learned both how to be in want and how to be prosperous. I have learned contentment. And I think we need to learn that. But I think the uh, American Christendom hasn't really learned that. So you have cropping up all over the place the, 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 the prosperity gospel where Jesus loves you and it becomes a therapeutic kind of message and you can have all these things and, and it becomes very, very ugly and it's not Christianity. So I think we need to back up and look at what we do have, thank God for the, for the little or the much, and then use it. So attached to thanksgiving and contentment is the duty of using those things that you have for the glory of God for the kingdom of Christ, for the advancement of the gospel, not so that I can get more, so I can do more uh, for myself. Rather, let me do more for the glory of God. And I think, I think we've lost that vision, and that's, that is unfortunate. It's terribly unfortunate. And, you know, I want to build on something that you just said. We've talked with people in the past who said, well, you know, I'm going to go in this direction, and when I get there, I can do these great things for the kingdom of God. Oh, if I can get a hold of this, if I can do that, if this pot of money I'm looking to secure comes my way, then I can really do things for the kingdom of God. And here's a real problem. Everything is rooted in a selfish, covetous motivation. That motivation leads to frustration because one can never be satisfied when one goes down that path. Here's, here's why I think what you just said is so very critical. We live in a posture of thanksgiving and we employ those things for which we give thanks to build the kingdom of God for the edification of his church. And as we know well, the joy, the peace, the contentment is beyond anything that we could derive from the things that we can purchase or acquire in this world. And so we need to start to recognize that a posture of thanksgiving is not simply a matter of prayer and meditation, but it motivates one to action. And if you think about it, and, and this is something I repeat when I'm, when I'm in the pulpit or when I'm praying at times or when I'm talking with people, consider 
that when God entered into covenant with the people of Israel, typical of the covenant that God makes with his people, what did he tell them? I will be your God, you will be my people, separated from all the nations under earth to be mine. If one stops to contemplate what that means, Pastor, what are you going to pursue that would marginalize a life that flows from that promise? And Thanksgiving, when we think about how is Thanksgiving realized, in other words, what are, what's the fruit of true thankfulness? The fruit of true thankfulness is giving back. And like you said, you know, people say, well, if I had all this money, I would give to the church. Or if I had all this more time, I would serve at the church. Well, everybody's got the same amount of time. Not everybody has the same amount of money, but the widow had two mites and she gave it all. And that was a great blessing. Okay, so, so everyone is so adept at, at making excuses. Well, you know, I have small children and I really can't serve the church. Well, you better serve the church with those children so they'll learn how to serve the church so they don't become like you and not serve the church waiting for their children to grow up. And it's a, it's a vicious cycle. So the real evidence of thanksgiving the real evidence of, of, of being thankful to God for all that he has done and doing and, and who he is, is giving it back. And the only place we can give it back, because we cannot give it to God, we, but we can give it to the body of Christ. We can't give anything to God. God, God does not need anything. Okay, and sometimes th that's a mistake too. We think, oh, we're doing this for God. Well, yeah, in, in a way, we're doing what is commanded of us and we're doing it for the people of God because that's the body of Christ. Who is God concerned about? Is he concerned about the, the people out there? Well, not unless they're the elect, but he's concerned about his body and he wants his body to function as a well-oiled machine. And when the body communicates one to another and ministers one to another, then God is pleased. But when you have people saying, well, I, I love God and I thank God and I, 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 really, I really am a Christian and they don't give back, well, that shows me that they're really not thankful. No, what was Isaiah's response when he saw the thrice holy God and the, the coal was taken from off the altar and it was put upon his lips and, this, this, you know, thy sin is purged? He said, whom shall I send and who will go for us? Isaiah's response was, here I am, send me. I'll go. There was the one leper who returned back glorifying God. And he was the only one that was redeemed. Right. And there's the key. When one is truly touched by the grace of God and, and, and filled with the Spirit of God, which is not some Pentecostal thing, but the Spirit of God is indwelling that person, that person recognizing and understanding and seeing just what it is that God has done for him, he cannot help but pour himself out. What did Paul say? For me to live as Christ and to die as Cain? <laughs> You know, he's, he said, you know, he sacrificed the loss of, or suffered the loss, rather, of all things and counted it as, as dung, as excrement, as, as, as worthlessness, so that he might win Christ. There's gratitude. Yeah, that is gratitude. I, I, I'm, I'm somewhat amused as a as pastor. Of course, you know, we, we take the bulk of the, of the, uh, the duties upon ourselves. And, but I'm always amused when someone says, I'm really thankful for you, Pastor. I thank God for you, Pastor, and I appreciate that. I really do. That's a sincere gesture, and I, I appreciate that. But within that, within that thanksgiving, you would think that would, there would be evidence 
In other words, what's the tagline to I'm so thankful for you, Pastor? How about I'm so thankful for your, your work in the ministry, Pastor? What can I do to lessen your burden? What can I do to show that I'm really thankful for you without having to be ordained as a deacon or an elder? What can I do to help you, Pastor? Because I'm truly thankful for your work and I want to make sure you're not burning out. Because, you know, a lot of the young people that get into the ministry, they're burned out in a couple of years, a few years. And the reasons are many, but partially it's because the congregation thinks that they have to do it all. And it's very discouraging. And pastors, unbeknownst to many congregants, are just men. They're just people. And they have the same uh, frailties as everyone else. So when someone says, I'm really thankful for you, Pastor, I appreciate that. But show me. Show me that you really are thankful to God for me. And then we know there's true thanksgiving. Do you know, Pastor, I hesitate to say this. I think I know why people come say, gee, Pastor, I'm so thankful for you. And why it doesn't translate into something that is evident. It is because they're thankful for you. They're not thankful that God has given you to the church. And that in gratitude to God, they will pour out themselves in their calling and with their abilities because of what God has provided. And let's recognize this. God equips providentially men who are ordained, their calling is evident by their passion, their commitment, and their work. They are ordained, and all of this is the providence of God at work in placing the pastor, the elders, the presbytery in the church, so that as shepherds of the flock, doing the work of God for the edification of the church, they do what they do to equip to provide for the maturation, the comfort, the edification, the exhortation, the warning. In other words, to help move the congregation along to full maturity so that they may be fruitful in the work of God, enjoying his blessing and glorifying his name. And so that thanksgiving has to be Godward, though expressed to the man for his work. And the work is real. And the congregation should be grateful for that work. But if it were directed Godward, then I think the motivation would be different. Well, in 30 years of in the ministry, actually it's more than 30 years, but as a senior pastor of, of the church, I've seen a lot of things. I've experienced a lot of things, both good and, and evil. And sometimes when someone says, I really appreciate you, pastor, I'm so thankful for you, pastor, not always, but sometimes veiled in that is, I'm so thankful for you because I don't have to have any responsibility to, to serve because you're doing it all. And I'm very thankful that you're alleviating me of my responsibility. The fact of the matter is this. Everyone is responsible for the benefit and the blessing and the maturation and the stability and the security of the Church of Jesus Christ. It's not just the pastor. He might be the tip of the spear. He might lead the congregation. But everyone can do something. There's no one that can do nothing. My grandson can sweep the floor. So everyone has a duty. 
And everyone, especially in a small congregation, and most congregations that are faithful today are small. You don't have the mega church unless, uh, because, well, the mega church can afford all the things that people don't want to do. They can just hire people. But that's not the body of Christ. The body of Christ works together. And I, I, find, I find that sometimes we say something, but we don't realize the ramifications of our very words. I'm very thankful. Well, well, okay, show me. Like I said before, show me how thankful are you. Give you a concrete example. I'm thankful that I have married a, a wonderful woman. She's, she's, she, she serves the, the household. She's raised a family. She's schooled them. She's now schooling, helping school her grandchildren. So if I say I'm thankful for you, honey, how am I showing that? Well, when we were young, I took care of the children when she could not. I helped with the diaper changing. I helped with the carrying of the, of the, the baby basket and the buggy. Uh, I made sure I was working three jobs. I had to have three jobs to make ends meet. Uh, I washed the dishes. In fact, when we first got married, I had to wash dishes in the bathtub because we had no sink. We had no stove. I used a camping stove. So show me that you really appreciate an individual by what you do to alleviate their burden. And that's something that I'd like to see more of in the Church of Jesus Christ. There is no discussion of Christianity that does not ultimately lead to what it must produce. There can be no Christianity without a life that is lived in a manner that is consistent with what God has decreed in Scripture. A posture of thanksgiving is central to that. There's no question. You, you said it very well when you described how you responded to your wife. How can one say, I am grateful to God, remain idle, inert, disengaged, disconnected, disinterested in the church, living in the world as the people of the world do, and then come into the sanctuary to receive what is being given to him and to assume... I use that word broadly, a posture of thanksgiving. It's simply inconsistent. It's hypocritical. And when we start with the notion that, as you'd said at the outset, here is eternal God, the sole sovereign, the creator of all things, whose decree as uh, conceived within the Godhead before the creation of all things is what unfolds before us, and that this God has called us to himself that we may be a people to him and he our God. We are bound to an eternal covenant from which we cannot be separated. We cannot possibly be indifferent, cold, lukewarm, and it has to go from the home to the church and then out into the world. But it has to produce something. Otherwise, it's dead. It is true. It is true. Well, I do hope that this Thanksgiving brings biblical sobriety back into the celebration so that all of God's people might truly understand what it means to be thankful. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that it was edifying. Until next time, may our Lord richly bless you. The Tactical Recon Podcast was brought to you by New Geneva Christian Leadership Academy and the Institute for Theonomic Reformation. To learn more, please visit our website at www.tacticalrecon.org.